Welcome to part two of my interview with George Farmer. We continue to discuss his relationship with his wife, Candace Owens, how he met her and 17 days later proposed to her. And she said, yes, he gives all the details. It's very fascinating, very romantic as well. We continue to discuss his relationship with Andrew Tate, and then also the emergence of the influencer space, Daily Wire, and how that relates to religiosity, whether it's Judaism, Islam, Christianity, traditional Catholicism, et cetera. If you missed the first part, part number one, feel free to watch this one, but also go back and watch the first episode because we talk about his conversion to Catholicism. We talk about Mariology and how he came to understand the Catholic beliefs about the Virgin Mary. And we also talk about the traditional Latin mass. So part one is excellent. Don't miss it. But part two is even better. So keep watching. Enjoy the interview. One of the interesting things about the interview that your wife, Candace Owens, did with Andrew Tate, I think, I might be wrong on this, I think that might be the first and only successful interview that Andrew Tate's ever had with a woman. Right. Is that right? Is Candace so. the first one? I know yeah. that the BBC tried one and it sort of... Yeah, that didn't, blew up. That didn't really work that well. Yeah. yeah but but Candace gave him a long interview, and I think she was fair with him. Do you think Andrew was maybe a little softer or less on his guard because he was being interviewed by a woman by Candace? No, I didn't think so. No, I mean I I think that he was just as forceful and powerful as he ever is. Um, I think. I think he respects, I mean, look, I'm, again, I'm speaking for him here and I'm, I'm certainly willing for him to correct me on this, but I, I, I definitely perceived it as a, a match kind of of equals in some okay. ways. Like, you know, somebody who is very powerful in his own right, you know, has got an incredible following, has built his own career, has built his own following. And Candace as somebody who, again, built her own following, came from nothing, mm -hmm. you know, has got very a, a similar life story in many ways to what he's kind of achieved. Um, I think that the two of them saw each other as equals and they were willing to discuss kind of that equality or mm -hmm. like discuss topics as, as equals. Right. Whereas I think when the BBC sit down with him, you know, BBC is a very left-wing organization, which, um, which really has... You know, little to no credibility left in many ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you look at something like that and, and Andrew was just being targeted by them as, as an individual, you know, and I think right. he, he, he sees something like that and he's like, I'm not, I'm not your equal. Like exactly. I'm far more advanced than you in many ways. Yeah. Tell us how you met Candace. This is a phenomenal story. Yeah. You, you asked her to marry you 17 days after, after you met her, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Tell us about this. Because you say it's a miraculous, like a Holy yeah. Spirit yeah. moment. Yeah, so we, we met in, uh, in mid-December of uh, 2020, uh, sorry, 2018. And um, we, you know, really, we met, and from from the moment that I met her, I knew something was different. Like I, I, I looked at her and was like, this is, this is a different woman to the one, to any woman that I meet her. So she was giving a speech in London. Um, and she was giving a speech at the Royal Automobile Club, which is a club in Pall Mall in London. And, um, I was in the audience 
we met, we shook hands and um, I just knew kind of when I met her, I was like, this is a woman who she just commanded a power. Um, it was very difficult to describe. Nothing romantic was said, you know, for the, for the, between that day and the day that we got engaged, nothing, nothing romantic was said at all. You know, there was no overtures. Like I didn't, you know, didn't, we didn't go for dinner. Like we didn't take it. Nothing. Of flowers. No, nothing. nothing. Yeah, nothing. nothing. Exactly. And, and so I was very clear about that because it was, it was almost like getting to know oneself in some ways. It was kind of a very strange experience. You know, it was like, I, I, I saw myself in her um, and in doing so, and that sounds sort of, well, I fell in love with myself. No, I didn't fall in love with her. I fell in love with, with a woman who gave so much of myself back to me, you know, and, and I kind of, I, I was very willing to let myself fade and give glory to her. You know, that was kind of, that's how I view our marriage in many ways. Like I, I'm very happy to take a secondary position to give glory to her. You know, I'm mm -hmm. far less politically involved now than I was because she's much more politically involved than I ever could be. Um, when I met her, she was this tour de force, you know, incredible mind, incredible beauty. Um, I was so willing to just be enraptured to her. Um, and that's, and that was really what took place in those kind of 17 days was the fact that I just, I was amazed. And it took, it, it, it was very different for me than any other woman I've ever met in history. You know, it was, it was totally different to any other relationship I'd ever had, uh, anybody I'd ever met before. I was just so amazed by this brain. Um, and that was, that was kind of what drew me in, you know, was, was her thoughts, was her mind, was her, was, was, was her, kind of tour de force nature, you know, in many ways. So was it the kind of thing where you laid eyes on Candace and said, that's my woman, that's my wife? Yeah, it, it was, was. Yeah, it was very much that, yeah. And was that something that you mentally deduced or do you think it was like a divine? I think it was a divine thing, yeah. yeah. I think it was very much a divine thing, yeah. I, when I look back on it now, I, I think, wow you know, God, I very much think that God put two paths before my feet, you know, and, and, and he actually, and this is a great argument for free will in some ways, <laughs> because, you know, he put two paths before my feet. And originally I would definitely have gone down the, the kind of the first path. The first path was carry on with your life in London, you know, carry on doing what I was doing, living in sin. Um, being really just another another young man you yeah. know that was kind of it like i was being another young man the second path was it's going to make you very uncomfortable it's going to make you very discombobulated you're probably going to have to change a lot in your life mm. um but this is a path where you don't know the outcome the first path you know the outcome the first path is in many ways material success but also spiritual death in many ways, right? The second path was, who knows? Like it was a big question mark. It was a huge question mark at all stages. Like I never, I never felt like I knew what the outcome was gonna be. Um, and that was, that was eventually the path that I chose because I just thought, you know what? 
I really, I'm just going to trust God on this one. And that was kind of, and actually that was, I'd lived, I'd lived, I converted to Catholicism when I was 19. I lived for many years as a non, as kind of abandoned my baptism, abandoned my confirmation. Hmm. Um, and then I came back to Christ. And really when I met Candice, that was, that was without a shadow of a doubt, the first step on that path back Is that to Christ. Right? Yeah. And it was, it was a miracle in many ways. So you meet her at a dinner. Yeah. At a speech, yeah. At a speech. And then 17 days, you're in the UK, you're in the United Kingdom, she's American. Uh, you just give her a call on the cell phone? I mean, how does that yeah, work out? We FaceTimed. I I mean, I flew to the US. So we met, we talked. I knew from the moment that I met her. Um, we, I flew to the US. I spent some time with her in the US. She was giving some speeches. We spent some time together. I FaceTimed. I flew back to the UK. I FaceTimed her. Um, we FaceTimed for a few days in a row. And then at the end of that, you know, I flew to South Africa. And when I got to South Africa, I FaceTimed her and, you know, basically asked her to marry me. Um, and um, in those, you know, I, I, as I said, like I, I very much felt God's hand in all of that. And I, I had one car journey, which I, I will never forget. In this car journey, I, I felt god speak to me and he said you know like this is the path before your feet the path before you. I, at that time i was praying i wasn't really spiritually engaged but what i was praying if at all was lord show me the path before my feet mm -hmm. you know lord show me the way that you were biblical to take. yeah exactly and that Very was biblical. that was where i drew it from and it's humble yeah and i i was a lost soul at the yeah. time there was no doubt about it um and so the Lord showed me these two paths. And he said, as I said, you know, like one path is the way that you know. In many ways, it's a way to death. It's Satan's path. The second path is you don't know the outcome, but you're going to have to trust me on this one. Yeah. And, you know, now I look back on it, you know, we've been married for four years. We've known each other for coming up to five years. You know, without Candace, I don't know what I would be. I would be nothing. You know, I'd mm. be, I'd be insignificant. We're a partnership. Everything we do is a partnership. You know, we are like to draw a popular metaphor. It's like the game of Thrones, the song of ice and fire, you know, she's fire. I'm mm. ice, you know, we, we kind of match. It's just, okay. it's a beautiful relationship. And I mean, you've been married for a very long time. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but when you find the right partner in life, it is, it's, it's life changing, you know, it's just, it's the most beautiful thing that you could possibly hope to imagine. Um, because it, in many ways, it's like the church and it is the church in Christ. You know, that's the it whole is. point. It's, it's it is. the church is the beautiful bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, again, it comes back to theology. Like she is my bride. I want to be the best person for my, I want to be the best person for her. And she wants to be the best person for me, you know, in, in the same way that Christ gives himself to the church. I want to give myself to her. It's, there's so much theology there. And, and that kind of, for me, that was the biggest thing in my life. You know, as soon as I met her, as soon as I became, you know, we became engaged, I became enamored with her. I just started giving my life back to Christ. Would you say that when you experienced her, you said, I would get on a cross for this woman? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Because that's yeah. Christ in the church. Yeah. That's kind of, I think, where maybe the Andrew Tates of the world don't quite understand that maybe the man is the sheikh or the king or the emperor 
Whereas in Catholicism, Christ is the king, he is the emperor, he's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and yet he goes on to the cross for the sake of the bride, the church. And that, that really is the heart and the mystery of Catholicism. It's all the sacraments, but in particular, it's the sacrament of matrimony. Yeah. Now, did Candace expect you to just FaceTime and say, will you marry me? I mean, no, I this has to be shocking for a woman. <laughs> and she said yes, Yeah, I mean, obviously. arguably, one, one could say, well, yeah. <laughs> arguably, one could say, she was as equally crazy as I was. You know? Right. Like, why, why would she say yes? Yes. Um, yeah, no, yeah, she said this in the public in the public sphere before, but um, why would you do that kind of thing? Well, right. Why would you be as crazy as as, as he was? Um, I think she would say that she also knew from the kind of moment that she met me in many ways that I was her husband uh, or future husband as it was then. Um, yeah, I mean, we just, we kind of knew, as I said, it was, it, not everyone will experience that you know, God works himself into different people's lives through different ways. It's not always the same. For me, it was very much that experience. You know, for me, it was the wake up call that I needed. It was, um, you know, God coming back into my life. It wasn't just Candace coming into my life. It was God coming back into yeah. my life. You know, it was, it was a real uh, miracle in many ways. Um, and she... Yeah, I think she just, she knew as well. You know, she knew from the moment that she met me that I was to be her husband. Um, and, and so we both knew and we just saw it from the outset. And obviously, you know, here we are, we've got two kids in the world and one kid on the way to the world. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a remarkable existence we have. And we just... I trust God with so much more now because I know that he trusted me with this relationship. Yes, you know? yes. So you, you've run hedge funds, you've been politically involved. You now live in Tennessee. Yes, I do. And you are at ground zero of the influencer space. <laughs> and I, it's so amazing to watch this sort of subculture become the mainstream. Yeah. Daily Wire, you know, all these names that have come up through the years and and you y'all are right at the center of it i mean you've got kanye west at your house or you know i mean it's just yeah. all of these these people what is that like and this is a brand new thing this isn't i don't think ever happened in human history yeah no you're you're absolutely right i mean i think about it quite a bit actually is it's sort of like you know what what are we doing <laughs> yeah, like, right. what are we doing yes. it's, it's totally crazy in some ways and it's like will it ever be replicated i don't know you know i mean you see it's a moment yeah, it is a moment exactly i mean it's it's there's advancements in ai and computer generation which might mean that at some point influences are completely unnecessary right hmm. because we might just replace them all with ai you know and and and, and those but what are, will they be saying though? well it's a great question i right. mean i I'm just sort of throwing ideas out there, but 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 at the same time, like it makes me very cognizant that the moment we are standing in in history is unique. You know, this has never happened before, and it might not ever happen again. Yeah. Um, you know, what Candace is doing, what the Daily Wire is doing, what influencers as a whole are doing across, like yourself, and um, you know, all the way through from kind of 
Anna Kasparian and you know Lena Dunham all the way through to kind of Nick Fuentes you know that whole spectrum of people are just making the world a different place they're making the world a different place because this has never been done like you've never given a voice to pop to individuals as loud as it is now you know that that is something which has never happened before in history um you know with the daily wire obviously the daily wire has become in many ways kind of the it's become the conservative digital media platform in the US you know i i don't think there's there's many people who would dispute that um and what they're doing is incredible work you know i i i look at it from afar i'm obviously quite involved in terms of what they're doing and how they're sort of presenting themselves i'm not i'm you know i have no disclaimer i've never taken money from the daily wire i'm not i'm not involved in the daily wire in any way shape and form but but they are really at the cutting edge of content of material of the popular perception of conservatism of traditional values and i think that the daily wire itself is always on a journey of evolution you know like i think that most i think that's one of the that's one of the things i feel very encouraged about about the conservative movement in america is that I I never look at an influencer in the US, a conservative influencer in the US and think, you know, that person has really plateaued and sort of reached their peak. I think a lot of influencers in the US are actually on a journey of self-discovery. Like they're always they're always saying, okay, actually this is where I'm going next. Like look at what Candace is saying. You know, Candace is four years ago, I don't think she ever talked about pornography. Now she talks about pornography the whole time. You know, now she talks about surrogacy. Now she talks about contraception. You know, all these different topics, she's talking about different things because she herself is learning. And I think that that is, and I'm learning and we're all learning together, but I think that that is something where the influencer class is taking us on a journey. They're Mm -hmm. not just static. They're not in time. They're not just saying free market capitalism is the only form of, you know, government we can ever conceive of, they're taking us all on a journey together, you know? And I think that that's both interesting, it's exciting, it's it's different. Um, it might not be replicated again, as I said, you know, I think I, I, it's a very interesting time, space and place to be in. Yes. Who do you think sparked all this? Or was it just a technolo- technological advance that we could now stream directly and we didn't need networks? Or do you think someone pioneered this? Is it a Joe Rogan? Is it, you know, I mean, how do we how do we get to this moment? Yeah, that's a great question. How do we get here? Um, you know, I don't know whether I have an answer to that. I, I I think that there are various influences who definitely kind of put their foot on the gas mm-hmm. and kind of accelerated the whole process. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, somebody like Ben Ben Shapiro, mm-hmm. you know, definitely was a first mover mm-hmm. in the space. Um, I think that um, Jordan Peterson, you know, definitely had a huge influence. Probably he probably wasn't a first mover, but he was somebody who really helped kind of the YouTube influencer grow, like the whole class of people mm-hmm. as YouTube influencers grow. Um, I think there's also, you know, I I would give credit to somebody like Nigel Farage. You know, Mm. Nigel, um, Nigel has basically been a, and I've known Nigel for many years and, you know, he's a great personal friend, but Nigel, you know, Nigel took 
what was an unpopular topic and a boring topic from being a kind of you know irrelevant mundanity of the UK political scene into being a global discussion yes. and he did it earlier than anybody else yes. and his viral clips were kind of exactly you know really really big i mean the first viral clips i ever watched in my late kind of teenage years like 2007 2008 2009 were of nigel farage you know being like who are you yeah. you know you you look like a swiss bank account clerk who are you you know when he's he's standing up in the european parliament insulting herman von rompuy yes. um who at the time was the president of the european commission i think but you know he he really did a lot for kind of making virality a thing um and and that then became in and of itself a whole kind of i don't want to say an industry but it became it became much more of a thing you know it became like how can you create the viral clip right. how can you replicate what nigel farage is doing and who did it best in america what trump trump of course yeah and and i i kind of wonder if that moment is linked to his ascendancy you know it's, yeah and so many people in a way by having a man run for president and be president who was doing these viral things yeah in america in a way it kicked down a lot of walls for people to yeah to then come around and and say these things that were politically incorrect because someone like your wife Candace or others who are developing and adding things to their platform and learning new things um in the traditional media that was not allowed you sort of yeah. had your job you had your specialty you stay on this path and by having our own independence now there can be drift there can be development and then people can follow along on that or they can check out yeah yeah and I mean, somebody like nigel and then becoming trump and etc cetera, etc cetera, like the whole movement gathered speed and then allowed for people to do whatever they did mm -hmm. you know and 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 shatter the media shibboleth you know that was kind of the big thing right. like we we just broke down those walls and now you look at it and yeah x percentage of the population in the united states no longer trust cnn you know x percentage of the population no longer watch cable tv right. because they get their news from you know you yeah. the daily the daily yeah. why you know whatever sure. it might be you know they they they've completely changed the way they consume news you know and that's kind of really that's been the the best result in mm -hmm. many ways of kind of the media revolution mm -hmm. um and and yeah of course there are organizations out there intent on changing the way that traditional media is still consumed you know for example newsmax or oan or somebody like that you know who is trying to change the way that broadcast news is consumed in the united states or overseas like gb news in the uk um but the digital media landscape has completely changed the way that people consume news and that's that's for the better it definitely is for the better because the bastions the safeguards the gatekeepers to those traditional institutions were corrupt you know and cnn was corrupt it is a corrupt organization msnbc is corrupt you know all these organizations are deeply deeply corrupt they protect the narrative in a way which makes people drawn to them you know it's it's like how can we protect the narrative to make you believe what we're saying right. so that you continue to believe the narrative you know that's that's exactly what they're set up to do um you know look at their coverage right now of like the scandal around the biden family 
whatever one thinks of the Biden family, whether one's a Democrat or a Republican, I think it's the bank account statements would testify to the fact that they are clearly they have clearly been paid by foreign powers. You know, there's 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 no argument about it. You know, the House Oversight Committee has subpoenaed statements. The subpoenaed statements reveal that the Biden family at least took probably twenty five million dollars from overseas organizations. You know, this is it's it it's numbers don't lie. It's indisputable fact. And and the traditional media is not giving any credence to this narrative. They're not giving any time to it. They're glossing over it as if it's just a, you know, a sort of footnote in their pages of history. The Financial Times of London, which is a very left-wing organization, very left-wing newspaper, you know, you can search, I've done this, you can search Biden, Biden family or Hunter Biden in the FT, and you will find a news article from like three weeks ago when it was talking about something completely different. And yet in the last three weeks, in the last month, in the last two months, there's been revelation after revelation after revelation about the corruption of this individual family and this individual son. Um, and and so you, if you're entrusting your own media interpretation, if you're entrusting your own like perception of the news to these traditional gatekeepers, you're going to get a very slanted newscape. And I think that that's what YouTube, the influencer world, the Daily Wire, people like yourself, all of these guys have done. They've come along, they've shattered the shibboleth. Trump obviously, you know, threw the kind of remnants of the corpse into the fire and was like, just burn it all. This this is a complete waste of time. You know, you you've really got to uh you've got to believe me, or you've definitely not got to believe the CNN, you've definitely not got to believe the mainstream media. And that's that's a good thing because now people are awake. Now people are definitely far wiser than they were before. Today's podcast is brought to you by realestateforlife.org. So many of us find ourselves in geographic locations where we're restricted. We can't find the right church, the right parish, the right school, the right community. And our states, our cities are opposed to our fundamental beliefs If you're interested in moving, you need to sell your house. You need to find another home in another city. And the people to help you are Real Estate for Life. They will pair you with an agent who shares your convictions and understands where you want to go and what you're looking for. They can help you sell your home anywhere in the world and find a new home anywhere else in the world. Like if you want to come move to Texas by me and find yourself a great school and a great Catholic parish, et cetera, Real Estate for Life are your people. So go to realestateforlife.org and please do me the favor, let them know that you heard about it on the Dr. Taylor Marshall Show, realestateforlife.org. And one of the exciting things about the influencer space is this turn to religiosity. Yeah. Religion is definitely on the table. Mm. You know, you have your wife, Candace Owens, hosting a open table uh, between a Calvinist and yourself as a Catholic. Yeah. You've got Ben Shapiro. He wears his yarmulke. Yeah. Uh, you've got Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's doing Exodus. And I, I find it extremely, Andrew Tate talking about Islam. I mean, I disagree with some of these people and their theology, obviously, but the fact that this influencer space is being infused with theological discussions, I find very encouraging. Yeah. And do you, do you think, my sense is, is this is going to continue to ramp up? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, I think, you know, we spoke about this 
last night and you know i definitely think this is kind of where i see the future but um i never had a moment of i i, I never grew up a liberal you know i grew up a conservative um and i never quote unquote took the red pill right mm -hmm. i i i was always in many ways making grew up on the red pill yeah i grew up on the red pill yeah. exactly um but you grew up on the red pill you you always see the world through that, you know, that set of glasses, the hermeneutic of kind of conservatism. But by, you know, kind of year 15, you become pretty jaded and pretty cynical about the whole thing. And that's kind of where I was for a very long time. I was, I, I guess I was quite cynical about it. I was disenfranchised with the conservative movement, certainly in the UK. I think it's very, um, it's kind of, it's like sad to watch in many ways, you know, both political parties are very much wedded to the same sort of social liberalism, um, social kind of social democratic liberalism really is what they're wedded to. And so after a while you become quite, as I said, jaded, you know, like not interested in politics. And then after a while you take the white pill, you know, the white, the white pill, pill, the white pill is Jesus. Would you, would you take the black pill first? I think you, I think most people do. Yeah, we should break that down. People are like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. The, the, the red, black pill. The black pill is when the red pill is leaving the matrix. The, the red yeah. pill is when you become the conservative. Yes. right. That's when you. That's when you wake up and you realize that the whole world, like, you know, the red pill. The red pill is when you wake up and you see the fact that Naomi Osaka, you know, who's protesting Black Lives Matter, is also sponsored by Panasonic and right. you know Airbnb and all these kind of major corporate right. sponsors, and you're like, okay. You know, this is this is nonsense. Like every every corporate establishment in the United States is changing its Twitter profile picture to a pride flag. Yes. You know, that that's when you that's when you wake up and take the red pill. You're like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Like this is nonsense. Like this is yeah. complete this is like the right. very contradictory. The black pill is when, you know, a few years later you you've taken the red pill and you're like, okay, you know, we, we can change it all. And the black pill is when you realize that actually you can't change anything at all, you know, and both political parties are completely in it for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, the Republicans are just as corrupt as the Democrats. Um, you know, the new world order, whether it be a conservative new world order or a liberal new world order, both of them are completely corrupt and, you know, people are self-serving, they're self-interested, all that kind of stuff. The white pill, is when you realize that the only thing that can really change things is Jesus Christ, you know, and that's, and that's kind yes. of, and that's where I got to a few years ago. And that's when I suddenly became very aware that actually the white pill was it, for me, it was the greatest change in my life because you suddenly interpret scripture and you're looking at scripture and you're thinking, Christ says exactly all of this. He says there will be rumors of wars, there will be wars, there will be famine, there will be hunger, there will be princes, there will be rulers, there will be empires. They will all come, they will all go. It doesn't matter because at the end of time, the only thing that will stay is my word, right? And that for me is something which has been very, very encouraging. Um, and, you know, that's that's really... I would say the biggest change in my last four years, and that's in, in part why I've become less political because I'm I'm not I'm just not. Ten years ago, I was super political. Mm -hmm. I was very very political. I was deeply involved in UK politics. I was campaigning. I was, you know, petitioning politicians to do this, that, the other. 
fast forward the clock 10 years and I'm I'm like, okay, you know, it's important. Don't get me wrong. Like policy is important. I think it's very, it's good that we're doing all these things. But at the same time, like I'm also, I'm conscious that probably nothing will change. But the only thing that really matters and whether or not we've really changed things is actually whether or not people have come to Christ. You know, yeah. that's, that's really the biggest thing. And coming back to your question, which was about, religiosity and, mm -hmm. and, and like influences and really religiosity. I think that, um, everything flows downstream of that white pill. Mm -hmm. Everything flows downstream of faith. You know, you can't media politics, culture, all of these things, you can't look at any of these things and say, okay, I'm going to take an ethical stance, but I'm going to kind of, I'm, I'm going to, you know, air gap my philosophy on media from the rest of my worldview. Um, and I'm just going to say, like, in this particular field, my stance on politics is this. But I'm not going to let that inform anything else that I do. And actually, what you've realized over time is that your stance on politics, your stance on culture, your stance on media, your stance on business, all of these different positions that influencers are taking have to be informed from one central point. And that central point has to be Christ. Um, and so- Or fill in something else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, the only truth is Christ. The only truth is Christ. Yeah. And so, and yeah. So faith, faith has become at the heart of everything that these- uh, uh, it's become the heart of everything that we do as a society, whether it be like Judaism or Islam or Buddhism, or obviously the one truth, which is Christ. You yeah. know? And so I think that religiosity, I think that influences, influences being drawn to religiosity will increase over time. Yeah. Because, because influencers are given the freedom to ask about the meta narrative, which yeah. previously I don't think has been allowed by mainstream media. Yeah. And so now you're getting, you get Andrew Tate saying these things. I mean, what would you say to Andrew Tate if he's just like, Islam is the way to go? Or he says, we're all on the same mountain going up the same journey. Yeah, I, I, I would say he's completely wrong yeah. about that. You know, and I'm, I've, I've said that to him. Right. Um, you know, he and I have talked about this before. And I, I you know, his brother is, a, his brother is Tristan is like, by the way, great guy like i mean i love both of them you know they're, they're great guys really like nice people fun people and that's the irony is that like people look at them and they're like you know oh, he's not a nice guy like no he's a he's one of the kindest people you ever you'll ever meet you know he's one of the kindest people you ever meet um and his brother's a romanian orthodox christian and um we've spoken about faith before quite a lot because as i said that's where i am in my journey as well. And I've, I've said this to him and I'm like, look, you, you can talk about what color is your Bugatti, but at the same time, you know, if you're doing it without the conception of faith, like if you're, if you're doing it because your Bugatti is at the heart of everything you're doing, then you're in the wrong place. You need, you need to be coming at that from the perspective of faith. Like, should I be even buying a Bugatti? Should I be doing whatever I'm doing? Right. That well, faith, what does this Bugatti mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. what is this? What is it all in purpose of? Right. You know, is it in is it in glorifying God or is it in glorifying my myself? You know, and and um, so he's 
we've had this conversation before where like he said, you know, we're on the same mountain, we're going to the same peak. And I'm like, no, we're not, you know, we're, we're mm -hmm. going to different places mm -hmm. because Jesus Christ is not just a prophet. He's not just some great he's the logos. He is, he's the alpha, he's the omega and he's everything in between, yeah. you know, and that, and that is without a doubt, the most important thing that anybody can learn in this life, yeah. you know, is that Jesus Christ. It's not a test. This life is not a test. Yeah. It's it's the one it's the one run we get yeah. at eternity. Yeah. And eternal life or eternal damnation is what comes after this. And without Christ, we're guaranteed one fate, which is eternal damnation. Right. With Christ, we're guaranteed one one result, which is eternal life. Yeah. This lead up, this part of this interview places you in a very unique position. You're very much at the center of this moment. We've been talking about the increase in religiosity, interest, and faith. You love the traditional Latin Mass. You're a Catholic. You're the most interesting man in the world, George Farmer. <laughs> Where does this... This clearly sets you up for something very important. I mean, as we move into deeper into this moment and we're talking about Catholicism, we're talking about extending the traditional Latin mass, we're talking about conversations with Andrew Tate or what Ben Shapiro is talking about or Jordan Peterson doing biblical studies. I mean, a moment arriving for a renewal and interest in what we would call traditional Catholicism, I believe is ripe. Yeah. I just feel like something is happening. And, and whether that's in the next Pope or the arrival of some new religious order or movement or something, something has to spark soon. And I just, I just kind of get this feeling that something majestic might happen soon. Do you get that sense? Yeah. And I think you might, I think you're part of it. So do I, and I think you're part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I definitely think that we are, you know, like we're dancing on a precipice, mm. you know, we're, we're dancing on the edge of a blade right now. Um, I, I'm certainly not wise enough to even uh, predict or try and predict where we're going to end up. Um, but like, there's definitely the whole of Western civilization is coming to the realization that faith is at the heart of everything. You know, I think if you wound the clock back 30 years and you said to people like, you know, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, they would have very much looked at you as an aberration, as a weirdo, you know, as all these kind of things like, uh, who's this guy? Yeah, kind of Jesus, Jesus freak. freak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas now you say Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you're almost in in doing so, you're almost stapling political banners to the mast, right? You're you're not yeah. just you're not just expressing a theological viewpoint; you're actually expressing a political one as well. Um, in some ways, I in some ways that's a good thing. In some ways, it's a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing because Christ Himself was not political. Christ was a revolutionary but from a theological perspective, like we didn't need the law anymore. You know, we needed, Christ came to fulfill the law. 
but you didn't need the law anymore to know God. You could know God through Christ. And that was a truly revolutionary theological message. But at the same time, nowadays, by saying that you believe in absolute truth, which is what Christ gives us, you are actually expressing a revolutionary political opinion as well. Um, we're accelerating, we're hurdling towards an outcome where absolute truth is very dangerous. You know, that that's a political, like transgenderism, as an example, mm. you know, where you're saying that there is no absolute truth um, about biology, for example. Um, and in doing so, you're, you're kind of opening the floodgates to the idea that there is no absolute objective truth about anything in the world, right? Um, that's an incredibly dangerous place to be. It's an incredibly dangerous place to be where ethics and morality is generational. Like every generation has its own ethics and morality. Um, we are now in a place where that is the, that is the case. Like Western society has reached that conclusion that ethics is generational. And so as a result, kind of one political camp is moving faster and faster and faster back to objective truth. It's moving back to the idea that Christ was the son of God. It, it's moving back to that. And so, yes, we are, at the, we are at the forefront of the renewal of Western civilization. The reason we're there is because we're all talking about God, because yes. we're all talking about objective truth, because we all suddenly have to ask, you know, is gay marriage a good thing? Like right. is and um, what is marriage? Yeah, what and is if, marriage? What is marriage between a man and a woman? What is a man and a woman? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What is? I a mean, woman? we're back at Genesis. Exactly. Right. And so we're we're back at the at the beginning of everything, you know. And 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 sort of since the end of the Cold War, we've been able to mask everything up and sort of say, you know, okay, it's all, you know, we're all just Western liberals together, and we're all Western democratic liberal liberals together, and. You know, what I said earlier, like the social democratic liberalism, we've all, we're all moving towards this kind of third way in terms of political understanding. And now suddenly, you know, since 1991, you know, 32 years later, we're all suddenly saying, hang on a sec, like, what is a man? What is a woman? Right. What is marriage? What is faith? What is truth? You know, it, 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 the irony being, again, Ecclesiastes, nothing is new under the sun. Who was the first person to ask what is truth? Pontius Pilate. Pilate. Right. You know, quodes veritas. Yes. You know, and 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 we're now here. We're exactly the same place where Christ was at in his trial, um, two thousand years later, and suddenly we're asking the same questions: What is truth? You know, and we're exactly the same yeah. place. And it just shows you that nothing is new. You know, nothing is new under the sun. Ecclesiastes is so true in that way. Yeah. Wisdom literature is so true. Um, but religion will become, faith will become far more front and center. It will become far more important in every debate that we're having. Because yeah. without faith, you can't hold an objective stance on truth. Right. And the beautiful thing about Pontius Pilate, what is truth? Truth, veritas, stands before him. Yeah. Personified. Exactly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And... It seems in the political realm, Pontius Pilate is sort of the icon for this. The political voice says, what is truth? Truth stands before him. Truth is, is crucified. Yeah. Truth resurrects. Because it's like you've been saying so often in this interview, it is Christ. 
Yeah. That's what I, that's one of the really great things about this the influencer discussion going on is I think if you went back into the 50s, 60s, you go, yeah, I believe in God, God has a plan for our nation. It's very much generic. Yeah. Now it's very specified. Yeah. You know, where yeah. people are saying, you know, I've been to some of these, you know, political speeches and some of these conservative you know, groups, turning point, you know, some of these things that are put on. And I was surprised how many of the speakers appealed to Jesus Christ, not generic theology, yeah. not God, something we can all kind of get around here, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and praying prayers that end through Christ our Lord or in Jesus' name. You actually see that now. Yeah. That's, a, that's a shift. That's yeah. a turn towards Christ. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, the end of nominalism is a great thing. Yeah. And and Western society has been way too nominalistic for many, many years. You know, I mean, I think that like as a European, as somebody who's grew up in Europe, or grew up in the UK, you know, like nominalism was an incredibly depressing state of affairs, you know, where people just say, I'm a cultural Christian or I'm a Christian because I'm English, you know, and I'm like, right. you, you have no idea what Christianity is. Um, you know, that that state of affairs has come to an end. You know, that state of affairs is now over. And actually now we're in a position where um, you, again, it's it's kind of, it's like, as Jesus warns us, you know, you're gonna become persecuted for the faith. Like you have to stand up and staple your, staple your colors to the mast, you know, and, and if you staple the colors of Christ to the mast, you're gonna become somebody who is is going to be persecuted in some way shape or form um 50 years ago you could say in god we trust and nobody would have batted an eyelid nowadays mm. you say in god we trust and people are like oh well you know do you believe in god you know that's kind of that's controversial in and of itself right. now you actually have to know what you're talking about before right. you can even do that you know now you have to stand up and say i believe in jesus christ as the son of god right and that's that's in and of itself controversial yes so what's next for you <laughs> if we're sitting down 10 years where's george farmer in 10 years he's, he's in his 40s just sitting here with you you know same thing yeah just you know, just you know <laughs> shooting the breeze um i don't know i mean it's a great i i recently stepped away from running parlor you know um, yes. i was doing that for for some time and um I don't. I don't have a specific idea. I, I've I've found at most points in my life that when I make plans, God laughs, you know, mm -hmm. and is like, "Oh, okay, yeah. Right. You thought this was going to be a good idea. Well, mm -hmm. here's something completely different, mm -hmm. um, and you know, something which which you didn't see coming. Um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of where I've been for the mm -hmm. last couple of years. Is that I've tended not to make too many plans and see what God has in store for me and what God mm -hmm. wants me to do. Helping my wife with her life is is a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 we're a partnership, we're a team. You know, she and I are a team together, and I think she would say that as well. And um, it's very valuable to me. Being a father is incredibly important to me. You know, I have various 
corporate things that I'm involved in uh, as an investor on the board of et cetera, et cetera. Like I, I, I run, you know, sort of take care of a couple of companies to keep myself busy. Uh, you know, my, my dad likes to make the joke that when he retired, my, my mother said, you know, I married you for life, but not for lunch. And, um, <laughs> and sort of, I feel, sometimes I feel that way, you know, I sort of had to go and t take care of myself during the day. I have to make myself busy. But in 10 years time, if I say where I, I want to promote Christianity, that's kind mm -hmm. of really my main goal nowadays yeah. is to, that's why I don't do any political interviews anymore. I, I, I only do stuff like this. I only do theological discussions because it's far more interesting to me. Like, how can I make Christ known in this world? How can I build out the church in this world? Um, how can I bring faith to people who have none? You know, that's kind of, I want to promote the Latin mass. Right. I want to grow the Latin mass. I want to grow the Catholic church. I want to build out his church in this world. I want to make Christ known to people. Those are my mm -hmm. goals, you know? And so whatever God puts in front of me to make that goal more real, you know, is, is what I'm, is what I want to do. Beautiful. Well, I want to thank you. I have a little gift for you. <laughs> this is a rosary. It's by Seraphim Rosaries. It's my favorite rosary company. They're very beautiful rosaries. And this, in a way, is the creepiest Catholic gift I could give to someone. <laughs> because I thought maybe this would be a good gift for Candace. I'll let you decide. But not only is this a rosary, that's a beautiful rosary, but it was laid on the body of Sister Wilhelmina, who was recently oh, unearthed yes. and is... In, perceived to be incorrupt. Was it in St. Louis or was it in? Uh, it was in uh, Kansas. Yeah, Kansas City. I think. Yes, yeah, so I'm trying to remember where Gower. Okay. Um, so this rose, Araceli sent me this rosary, and it's a beautiful, lovely rosary, and it's been placed on the body of an incorrupt, incorrupt nun. nun. So yeah. like you can't get any more creepy, yeah. unusual Catholic than this, it's and uh, it's very lovely. And I wanted you to have it. Thanks Thank for you. being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks very much. There you have it. It's very kind. Yeah. Well, good. So I think we should uh, we should end with a prayer. I like to end with a yeah, prayer. Let's do that. And um, maybe we'll do the Our Father. Perfect. You want to do it in Latin? Yeah. Perfect. All right. Great. Let's do it. Nomini Patris et Fidi, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Cedis, Sanctificator Nomen Tuum, Advenia Regnum Tuum, Via Voluntas Tua, Sicut in Cello et in Terra. Panum nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, situt et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amado. Amen. Mighty God, we pray for George's family and for everyone watching. We ask that you would draw us all closer to Jesus Christ, your Son. We pray this in his name. Amen. Nomine Pactis et Peace, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for watching, and as I always say, remember our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Thanks, George. Thanks, Dad. That was great. That was great. That was the interview with the most interesting man in the world, the most interesting Catholic in the world, George Farmer. What a good guy. What a good friend. Really honored to have him on today. If you like this video, Please tell YouTube algorithm I like it by giving it a thumbs up like. Please share it all over the internet, Facebook, Twitter. Share it with your families and friends. And most importantly, if you like this content in this new interview style that I'm pursuing, 
on my podcast, please subscribe and join the over 1 million people who follow this podcast on iTunes, Rumble, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. I really do appreciate you. So please do subscribe and hit the bell. And I appreciate all of you very much. God bless and Godspeed.